Hello, everybody. Welcome on the Lights On Data Show. Welcome, everyone. Our today's guest is already a regular. <laughs> the first oh, it's a practical example of a successful data catalog. After that, in the second one, we talked about how to create a business case for data. And today, our episode is going to be about best practices for improving data quality. Welcome, Sharad, and thank you very much for being on the show again. Thank you, Dinah. Thank you so much for uh, inviting me. And thank you, George, for inviting well, me. Well, we're uh, lucky to to have you. As I was mentioning you before the show, you're really uh, a well of wisdom, if you will. So there's always, you know, great knowledge uh, coming from from that side of the screen. So we're really looking forward to this episode. Data quality is a big issue for everybody. And please, anybody that is watching, let us know what sort of issues you're facing right now. How maybe have you tackled or starting to tackle them? And uh, definitely with, with Sharad, we're going to see what sort of strategy we can adapt and adopt mm -hmm. to, um, to solve this data quality issue that's really lurking over every company. That's so true. I wanted to say before we actually start going into the, the interesting topic for today, uh, Sharad is the CEO at Oval Edge and Oval Edge um, has been selected among the fastest growing companies in Atlanta, which is amazing. Um, and I was very surprised because Sharad before the show just told us that they moved to a bigger office yep. and I don't know how many companies can say that during COVID. So congratulations, Sharad and all your team. That's, that's really amazing. Amazing. So I'm, we're very so glad much. that Overledge is doing so well. Definitely. Yes. So let's let's start with let's start with um, well, really the issue of data quality. Mm. It's really the consequences of having bad data quality. Hey, George, is just it bad data quality uh, or low data quality? Can what you, is the? I think that we are not live. Uh, are we live? Are we broadcasting? We are. We are, yes. Okay. Maybe there's a lag. Okay. Oh, okay. So let's continue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because if we, we have a discussion and nobody's watching, then that would be kind of like... Yeah, <laughs> that would be sad. <laughs> that would be sad, but we will can still watch recording. That's all right. That's the advantage of technology. But yeah. I'm just... Uh, I'm definitely... I'm just refreshing this to make sure that we are... Uh, everything is okay here. But yeah, uh, yeah it says that... Wonderful. We are live. Great. All right. Okay. Yes. Uh, yeah, just quickly confirming this to make sure that we are live on both channels here on 25 people on LinkedIn, a couple of people watching on YouTube. So, uh, hey, everybody. Hey, wonderful. So uh, back to the, the first question was, you know, that that consequence of, well, not just one, but what, what are the consequences of having bad data quality? Or low data quality. I still don't know which one it is correct. Yeah, I think, that, again, it means this is pretty obvious yeah. that, uh, you know, if you have the, I think I was taking an example, if you, want, if you want to make a tomato soup and the tomatoes are rotten, then what the soup will be good, right? <laughs> so... It's, it's, it goes through the like uh, anything you want to do with the data. If the quality is not good, it's you're not going to work, right? So something people can call it garbage in, garbage out, right? Mm -hmm. uh, now any digital, whether you are doing digital transformation projects, 
if you're doing AI machine learning project, anything related to that, everything is basically now new generation is actually hosted by the data, right? Mm -hmm. And it, data is kind of a founding principle for that. If you put them the bad data, the bad results is going to come out. And this, it's better to not do that project, right? So in my opinion, the data quality is such a foundation for like starting any project, um, whether data-driven decision-making, whether AI, ML, or digital transformation, or anything big you want to do in the data area, you have to have a high-quality data. Otherwise, you just cannot work. Uh, the only challenge may be that how do we define the quality of the data? And that can be, we can discuss later, but, but until unless you have the uh, high quality data, it's the outcome is not worthwhile. And then better to not do the project and projects generally spends millions of dollars you are spending on those. And those are not only just the, uh, you're doing it for reducing the cost of operation. Most of the time they are revenue generating projects like AI, ML. Every company's uh, data strategy nowadays involves, um, the business strategy involves data strategy. And uh, that is why it is highly important to take care of the data quality first. Otherwise you will have a lot of consequences in that area. That's my Absolutely. understanding. You want to put some thought into that then. Yeah, you know, just a couple of days ago, uh, T. Scotland Daniel, who's really a big voice in the data science space, posted this article that was saying, I think, 80% of the times that AI projects are failing are because of poor data quality or bad data quality or low data quality, however you want to define it. But it is because of bad data quality. And that's staggering. And, you know, my, my first question was, why do people start AI projects or any database projects when they have tackled bad data yet? But we can answer that a little bit later. And also to add to that, Sharad, um, I think in, in one of the articles on your blog too, you were writing that uh, hey, IBM was estimating that bad data quality is costing the US economy alone $3.1 trillion. Exactly, that's a, that's a number which is the study is uh, published. And uh, I think I, I can imagine like uh, why this number is so high. Uh, it's it's like uh, you can solve almost every problem with data. Imagine that even the COVID problem by the early stage, if CDC would have put it the hands on the data, they would have averted the whole crisis, right? The, they would have called the people who have the COVID, would be, but the, because of the privacy concern, they couldn't get hold of the data and they didn't have technology to support it. But imagine that. The whole crisis would have been now. This this crisis worth the, the U.S. already, you know, much more than ten or fifteen trillion dollar. How much it is, right? So maybe the number might have changed now. <laughs> maybe it's uh, yeah. higher for sure. sure. And yeah. I just want to also put that in perspective because when you hear three point one trillion dollars, sounds a lot. A trillion is definitely a lot of money, but I don't think we fully grasp the magnitude of that value. And again, to put in perspective. $1 million alone, that's a lot of money, right? You're already a millionaire, which is a good thing uh, if you can achieve that uh, from a monetary point of view in your life. Now, an average apartment in San Francisco, which is a fairly expensive city in the US, costs about a million dollars. Now, that entire population of San Francisco, you can buy them all apartments, a million people or so living there, that gives you $1 trillion. 
and then 3.1 is three times 3.1 times that right so it's a lot of money it's a lot of money you can buy three san francisco huh <laughs> exactly <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah, it's a lot of exactly. money. I think that's if you put in the context. Very nice to see that context. So, Sharad, earlier on, you were talking about data quality. That, that um, I think we need to understand. We need to lay out there so we know what to measure. Because first, we need to measure if we want to improve, right? Yeah, I think before even we measure, we need a strategy. that um what how to the first thing is that um let's define that what the data quality really means to mm-hmm. us and generally mm-hmm. you know uh, i think dama have a very good framework that you can kind of use the dimensions to me- to define you know whether it's a completeness whether it's a timeliness you know so the first part is define the what the data quality you are going to measure against right so that's the one part mm-hmm. of that then after that um once you define those using the dimensions then you have to measure it and now that is my favorite part how do you measure it you know uh, there are so many databases so many issues so many things how do you measure it right so let's park this now this the idea for measurement of the data quality is not super simple because there are so many applications a typical organization have close to like we have customers they have 300 plus applications right um, so imagine the 300 applications that means about 300 different application owner there means about thousands of people are working on different projects getting them all coordinated about the issues about the data quality is not a simple task so in my opinion data quality cannot be addressed until unless you address a data literacy mm-hmm. um first thing have to be the data literacy establish create a um, basically the all the data needs to be educated to everyone uh, through the metadata layer if the data layer is not possible that educate and, and sure mm-hmm. what does that mean for the audience the metadata layer is that okay. you know a so, data dictionary okay. data catalog data catalog so the idea is that when you want to give uh, so the data literacy means that everybody is aware of what data we have it like getting the arm around the data now imagine there are 100 applications nobody knows each other application we only know my application right so that way that nobody have awareness around the data so the first part is creating a literacy means that you create a data catalog with where all the applications are cataloged into one and then give access to everyone so now you cannot give every data access to everyone um uh, provided if the data is uh, public then you can give access if this is not a public it's a private or confidential you do not want to give access so if you want to give only the metadata access you don't have to classify the data whether it's a private or public or confidential but if you want to give data access you want to have high level of data quality data literacy then you should also classify your data so first objective is catalog then classify the data whether it's a confidential pii public which mm-hmm. is public means within the com- corporate then once you classify it now you you can give access to everyone right so using catalog you can give access to all systems everybody have knows the what the data exists they can search around they can do something with that now this is a simple idea now once you figure out the data literacy now now even though now at, at this point of time 
people have C1 field, which have company code, right? People have like metadata do not tie with the data. So now you have to solve this challenge. Now, how do you collect the tribal knowledge from individuals and kind of put the correct metadata possible, right? And also you can put this, now such a massive data, now we are talking about the millions of data objects. So you have to have a, you cannot put on everything, but at least the important data elements, which is like, say, as you're classifying the data, you can also classify what is important and non-important things are. Right. So once the you classify it, yeah, it's exactly, 80-20 rules. So put the, the more focus on your 20% of the data and classify them. Once you classify and find that those are my important data assets, let's like especially customers, items, you know, patients, if they're a healthcare company, and then whatever the data is very important for your organization, you classify them, give access to everyone, and then make sure that they, their metadata is matching. So collect the, that, that the whole thing is the business glossary. You put the business glossary, you assign them with the data elements, and you put together a nice, clean catalog to put the, the basically the, provide them everybody access to it and then give them, okay, this is the how the data should be. And these are the ground rules of the quality. The quality ground rules are dimensions generally, like completeness, timeliness, right? So those are my dimensions that, okay, is the data is there. Once you give them access and everybody's involved in the data quality effort, now data literacy is given and now we know this. Now, after that, you ask everybody, you, you basically implement some programs. Like one of the customer we have, they say, okay, when you say some, when you see something, say something, right? Like most of the time governance, you have to communicate very easily. So when they look around the data quality, they find in the reports, they find in somewhere in the problem in their, whatever the working they are doing, they're working on a table, they're working on a file, they see, oh, this file is wrong. They look at the catalog, they go and they flag it. This data quality have this problem. They just need to go and find the issues and you have to use everybody to get the issue. So right. now you're collaborating with everyone and get all the issue and creating a catalog of all the data issues, right? So now you have all the issues and when you're collecting the issue, probably ask users to also put the priority, what the priority of this issue is and maybe the business impact value that what is the business impact in terms of dollar amount, right? Yeah. So that will so, also give you the very, very fine principle of measurement that how the data governance group can kind of prioritize and, and figure it out that. So that it's the strategy of after data literacy, putting all these issues together. Now you have a list of inventory of all the issues which exist in your ecosystem of that. And that is a much of the easier way of getting the list of the data quality issues. So let me let me focus on that and see if you have some questions around it and you want to put some more of your thoughts into that area. Well. Yeah, so so from what I'm hearing, Sharad, you're advocating for data democratization and you know releasing, putting that data in the hands of its utilizers, its consumers, its creators as well, making it more open and in a way having a, some way of crowdsourcing, if you will, exactly. uh, within the company that, hey, let's, let's all, uh, we're all responsible for the quality of our data. And by seeing it, by having it accessible and also understanding how we should read it, how we should utilize it, we can better understand where a data quality issue might occur. And I think it's also, it's great that it's it's straying away from the concept that a lot of the companies are, are adopting. And that is, we know the, the quality of the data is bad. 
our management still needs those reports, let's correct it as part of that ETL process or like right before it hits the report. We're not going to correct it in, in the source necessarily, but we're going to make sure somehow through a lot of manual effort uh, for the most part is that the reports will still be okay. And so management won't complain which is really the waste of resources in the long term. This is, this, and, and believe me or not, they're like we work with, with a lot of customers and a lot of customers still use this technique. But because this, that's a necessary evil, right? Because you have to use it somehow to get the reports corrected. Because the, your reports at the end does not match the report at the, at the ERP system with the data warehouse. Then they have to match together. Otherwise, the whole effort is wasted. So that is also, I think that in the overall process, uh, the list of uh, issues are very important, right? That is why it is important to have democratization. But I don't see that you will stop doing those ETL pipeline fixes anyway, because fixing the data at the source is the right thing to do. You know, I was working with a uh, customer yesterday and uh, she created something called, uh, I forgot, like uh, act, prevent, and there was a one more terminology. So I think the, the objective is that First, you say like within the source, you fix it. And then if you can't fix at the source, then fix at the ETL pipeline. Otherwise you mitigate it. So that's the- Yeah, because you don't always have control yeah. over the source, right? Yeah, so so that's the, because, yeah, but that is why you need a data governance group because they can influence the, the, the nature of the source level. The, ET, the analytics team cannot work on this, on this side but the data governance group can go into the source level. Hey, why not you, when you are collecting the country code, why not you create a list of countries and ask them to collect from the country code rather than typing the country code, right? Because that's how that's how the data quality issues are getting, uh, you know, collected all the time. So that is why it is the important is to to fix the issue at the source. But it in but you have to also conduct root cause analysis. So there is a lot more to go. So. I think if we, we took the strategy, the strategy is very simple. You demo, a, you democratize the data, you put the literacy, right? So everybody have access, B, collect all the issues. Now you have all the issues and the list of all the issues and it will take a few months or hopefully a year. But I think few months is a good idea to collect all the issues of the list, prioritize those. Priority is uh, comparatively like, believe me or not, I have seen uh, in organization when like whoever say whoever have like louder mouth their issues are heard better than the really the what works on the business impact that is why the collecting the business impact number is very important because somebody you know sometimes say hey i i'm not able to get my project management report working but they are only working about some jira tickets and this is also important but their data quality issue important is only the productivity of the team. On the other side, there is a one side where the financials are getting reported and the financials are not getting reported properly. If the yeah. financials get missed into the into your stock, stock market report, your stock price will go down or go up, which is not right thing to do either way because you are, are reporting incorrectly. So if you report incorrectly, you are you you may go to jail ultimately, right? Because that's the, yeah. that's the, the fraud uh, fraudland. It might come up, and uh, we know that there are so many companies we went to jail because of so many executives went to jail because they literally did the fraud. But this is a, something that you are unintentionally doing, but it's happening, right? So that's where you have to find that which 
issues are very important and that's generally comes by the business impact so when yeah. people are pro- telling the problem collect the business impact number and then once you have all this information then you prioritize it the what is sure to to interject uh, i i completely agree with you i think that business impact is really the uh, the highest contributor to the decision how things should be prioritized i also recommend maybe three others one is the um well the 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 prevalence how how widespread that data quality issue is if it's across the enterprise or if it's just serving one particular department the other one is the resources that we need to be invested into to fix it and the third one is maybe the complexity of of creating it so i think having some sort of a matrix with all these four dimensions will give you that score on, on identifying on what should you tackle first perfect well, and there's the okay. legal aspect too right and the legal aspect yes that the legal aspect. It all. yeah yeah trumps all yeah can perfect. can i just ask a quick question about literacy so from uh, from my experience in organizations there's a lot of bias when it comes to managers or department heads. So if the mm-hmm. department had had a little bit of um, experience with data, then they will put some you know emphasis on data. If they had some experience with change management in the uh, their previous jobs, then they will uh, put emphasis on that as well. Um, but ultimately that's that's not the way it should be basically. So who is who should be in charge or who sh- who is responsible for creating that li- data literacy in the organization it should be the data governance group hmm. and uh, i generally uh, put the data governance group at three part of the in charge for this what is the access management which is like privacy control all issues regarding access management second is the democratization which is literacy and the third is the quality improvement so that all three combined creates a comprehensive data governance group and that should be the part of them if you do independently then it's not a comprehensive data literacy then people have here and there and they don't have a universal the same view of the data so i think that's a, uh, it's a very good question but i think uh, i in that that's my bias is maybe my biased opinion but that's in my opinion that is how it should be the data governance group let's give them the in charge of that that create the literacy in the organization and and they can create it the reason for that is that they have some sort of enforcement power like other than data in, data governance group nobody have the power to enforce something to it now the now there are some challenges in the change management part of it because whenever the data governance implement any change mostly people say so this is one part that if you see any government of it authority or anything governance authority they generally ask you something oh hey can you do this can you do that can you put the pii field can you flag this this is other around you're giving them some information so this is the one of the tool like you're not the data governance group is actually not asking anything from the business owners but they are providing them the access to the data they're giving them and then they after that they are asking them oh can you also put the the metadata fields description and definition whenever you find some information so this is a give and take relationship and this is something that you are giving it to the community rather than asking them so this is there's the implementation is much more easier in this one because not much change management is needed in this area because you're giving the contributing back to the to the your your subscriber base basically yeah i think Diana agrees she's a change management expert here. <laughs> I'm doing my PhD in change management. Yeah, no, so basically I think you're creating the change management is is the 
is the core heart of like data governance i would say you know the how to enforce everybody to do that and and you can put your thought you know is is is, is this makes sense or or you tie anything to a goal and to a benefit you have more chances of convincing that person so creating that desire giving them a reward at the end and something like and stuff like that so absolutely and i feel that it we don't we're not change management literate at all <laughs> so any a lot of change initiatives in don't in general right yeah yeah so i'm not talking about data governance professionals or i'm talking in general that whenever we make changes we just tell people to do things which adds to their workload and we're not uh, explaining very well why we're not informing them we're not giving them maybe the tools or the training that they need and most importantly we don't create that desire for them to to actually do it so why why am i doing it <laughs> what's in it for me exactly. no, can do that that that's absolutely you know what's what's for me the change management is all about that and 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 especially that is why the it's it's sometimes it's uh, uh, you know the data literacy that's why i do not use the word data democratization must more i use the word data literacy the reason for that is that uh, you're literating people and people are getting to know something so they they are more they actually they want to learn because they they need all the time data people need the cross departmental data they need but they are not getting that value so they the that's why the when they get the access to the cross departmental data they all over it all the time that's why the data catalog implement utilization is pretty high because people are getting access to cross departmental data and that's why yeah. it is important yeah and back to your point that's why data governance is so important to to make sure that they're putting all this data in context and it has guidelines and rules definitions so you know what you're looking at and you're not going to be at risk of misusing that data in any way or form. Yeah. Uh, also want to just take a second here and just say hello to our audience. Thank you everybody for tuning in. Uh, we have Maurice here. Uh, thank you so much for for joining us today and Ayush who is really looking forward to this event especially from the last times that he's he's seen you and uh Ravit uh you know always uh always Ravid a fan and everywhere. loving the Ravit <laughs> show by the way as you know. Um, and uh, we have people all over the world from Andrew from London. Hi, hi, Andrew. And um, we have uh, Jorge from uh, Colombia and Ken from Hong Kong. So it's really all over the place. Charlotte, we even have a, uh, a Scott in London as well. Uh, Susan Walsh and, of course, the um, amazing Scott Taylor. Toronto and Mohammed from uh, Morocco. Morocco. We can keep on going. And, and then afterwards, I think we can uh, we can also go into some of the, the questions, but we still haven't covered everything that we wanted to talk about. And like Daniel was mentioning, the challenge with tribal data knowledge is definitely key. And hi, Lawrence from, uh, from France. Thanks for joining us. And I think this is Giovanna from uh, Milan. Thank you so much from, uh, for joining us all. All right. So... Yeah, besides data literacy, is there any, what are the other reasons for poor data quality? So data literacy is, is I would say, the, not the reason for the poor data quality. The data literacy is a, is a mechanism to, to get to the data quality kind of issue list of it. But the reason for the bad data quality is mm -hmm. 
that we are not collecting the data properly at the source systems, right? Um, that's the problem because, uh, you know, like, for example, if I type my address, I may type incorrect address. So do we have a mechanism to correct it? Do we have a Google validation which proves it and then, and then make sure that the address is correct all the time? But if I'm giving my information wrong, and even though if I, I put the information, everything is correct, I change my house. I move to new office now. So the, the data, what was there, is now That's bad. Correct. It was good quality and suddenly becomes a bad quality. That's timeliness. So the, you need a continuous update of the data. And those are the, just the master data we are talking about, you know, the, just the, the people around it. But there are, there are a lot of data we collect within the organization, like failure code, like, you know, the access code, the, the patient ID. You know, there are so many data are there everywhere. So these are the reasons that uh, data quality goes bad. And uh, when sometimes it's, it's timeliness is one of the reasons, but sometimes most of the time the data quality issues are found is because of the either the bad programming at the source system or we are not collecting the the information which we should. That's a, those are the reason. And the one some reasons are when you have the merger and acquisitions and, and the, when the, the standards are not there. The one company is using one standard, another company is using another standard of collecting the data. Like for example, country code, like somebody is taking US as US as a country, another was saying USA as a country code. So their codes are same, but it does not match. Yeah. Right? Their values are the same, but how do you match together? Like failure code, like we, we see that like everywhere, they, these are the very standard mechanism of collecting the data, but different practices, different places, different applications use different practices. So those are the reasons of having the bad data, um, you know, at the, at the one place. And then, uh, you know, how do you fix it? That's something that, again, as I say, that the, as a part of the strategy, uh, the plan which I put together is that you collect the data, then you identify it, you, you have the business value, you prioritize it. Now you have to analyze it and basically find the root cause. Mm -hmm. Because what happens until unless the data governance group is not going to find the root cause, mostly people, people are going to, to complain about the reporting system. Where they see the data, they were going to say, hey, there is a problem. And then the, every time goes to the ETL people and then they're like, oh, they will fix the ETL pipeline and there's a problem fixed. That's, that's not where it is. The problem is actually the source system. So that is why it is important for data governance group to do the ETL and to do the root cause analysis to find that where the source systems are. And that is why the lineage is very important of the data. You know, the, where the data come from, where it goes. And the catalog have lineage information is highly important to kind of understand that area. Because I would, I would have to say another reason why that lineage is very important is even though you might correct it in the source system, data may go bad along the way at one point. Yes, exactly. So uh, the, the both things say that. So as per the, the strategy which I put together is you find out the root cause yeah. that where the system is. Then you say, okay, let's... Now we know the problem, that problem is in the source system. Now you, the first thing is that now you know the problem, you find out the root cause analysis, now you improve it. Now improvement is a complex task itself. If you have to either use the source system, there are again, multiple ways of fixing it. Either you manually correct some sort of a, some address is wrong, you just fix it. Some carriage returns are there, you fix it, right? So there's sometimes the manually, manual changes are possible. Sometimes you have to change within the source system. You have to change the procedures. 
how you are collecting the data or the methods you are collecting the data within the source system. Sometimes it is complex. Like, for example, you are using failure codes and different organization uses different kind of failure codes or the patient codes or, or the country codes. Then you have to manage them and changing that is a complex task, right? If this country code versus this country code versus that country code, asking them to use a one standard methodology is a complex task. And yeah. then the master data. Master data is always goes bad because people put bad information. That's even you don't have much control on it. Now there are a lot of tools that are available, which is, uh, you know, companies provide to kind of fix the master data. Those are also various, uh, you know, techniques source system can use to collect the right addresses, right country code, kind of validate those master data. So that's the MDM is by itself is a, is a, itself is a, you know, data quality challenge, which needs to be, you know, addressed probably in a call with Scott Taylor because he's a, uh, a guru of MDM, right? Um, and then this, this is one of the area. And then obviously the, the you know, the, and then maybe uh, ETL pipeline fixes, that is a, still a very relevant fix, right? So you mm -hmm. find the problem, you fix it. And after the fixing, you also need to control it. Otherwise it will happen again. Mm -hmm. And that for that, you need data quality rules. Mm -hmm. to kind of control it. But I have seen people write data quality rule at the beginning of it to identify the issue. That is probably too much in my opinion, because then you are creating so much burden on, on the data governance group to write all the data quality rules at the beginning of the system. But to control it, you should write data quality rules so that it will not happen again in future. So those are the, the strategy, which is very, which is very easily implementable, uh, does not require a lot of resources from the data governance group can be implemented yep. and can improve the data quality within a year, you will see a drastic improvement. And, and then you can measure it that how much you correct it because you have a business impact. Then you can see that, you know, what was the impact outcome of it? And let's say the you have two people working on this project, data governance group, and you can figure out the two people, you spend this much money, let's say half a million dollar was invested in the whole thing. Then what is the outcome of it? But let's say outcome, maybe $10 million, maybe 20, maybe 100. I don't know. Basically, that depends upon the business, how bad was the data? What was the business impact? You save one bad reporting to the, to the uh, I would say, the uh, stock market. You can solve all the problems. Half a million dollars is not a big investment in improving that much data quality. And that depends upon organization to organization, how much investment they want to do it. Like in, for a large company, half, half a million dollars is nothing. But that is generally the kind of investment you need to, to make in order to improve the data quality. You need one or two people dedicated to kind of work on that effort, some tools to kind of make sure that they are aligned and then only it can be improved. That's the, but that's a very practical advice. I have it with the tools and techniques and everything put together kind of improving the quality of the data with the proper budget in information. Well said, Sherrod. Definitely have a few things to add here, but I want to take this one question from Jorge that was asking, how how would you address the data definitions between owners that share ownership? How do you avoid this data other users? So let's maybe start with the first part of the question whenever there's a clash between those definitions and even what the rules need to be in place, how can we, how can we tackle that? Yeah, that's a, um, that's a data governance committee. You set it up, right? 
uh, when th th that is the one reason I think that always talk about the data governance committee, and that's the executive committee. Mostly people have at the executive level and represented quite a bit. And those kind of issues need to be addressed in biweekly meeting or monthly meeting in the data governance committee. That hey, this is coming up. There are clashes. Let's address this. Um, and but the the what you need to do it like rather than just putting and then hey address it. You should not do that as a data governance manager or data chief data officer or whatever the title is. What you need to do is you need to get this uh, differences, also some root cause of it, the why the differences are there. Because I have seen that um, in practical examples is that there are two definitions. Um, one of the, the hospital chain, they have length of stay, right? So the definitions was confusing. At the one place, um, the, the one particular customer, like there are two different hospitals got merged together and their definitions was not matching, right? So the one was a smaller hospital, one was the bigger hospital, and the bigger hospital said, oh, my things are much more complex. But they, they had almost the one definition, the bigger hospital one. The smaller hospital was very well organized in their system, and they, the bigger hospital already using three different definitions of the length of stay. So it's, it makes sense to use the bigger hospital to adopt the smaller hospital's definitions because at that time, and the changes was very less at the big hospital, but they have more clout, right? Because they have more money and everything. So that is why it is these things need to go to the executive council to kind of address those concerns. And that's, I think that once you have the root cause, then you know executive council can easily make the decision. If you don't have the root cause, they will still fight. Like the way the, the, the lower executives are fighting, the same, the same fighting will keep going into the executive council as well. But if you have the root cause, what and you're going with the data, again, you are data people, so you should go with the data. Then those issues are addressed in the executive council because they can see, okay, and, and they and, and probably go with the budget as well. How much how much it will take for fixing it. So if you go with the budget and something, and then uh, the issues are addressed very easily at the executive council meeting. Absolutely. That's yeah, that's a great uh outline of sort of the chain of command, anything that's not maybe solved at that, let's say that stewardship level, data stewardship level, or data ownership level really moved up for a resolution at the data governance level. And that's sort of the ultimatum. Hey, if you're not, if your kids aren't playing well, you know, parents will come in and, and solve the issues. <laughs> Do you have some more questions? Yeah, go on. No, I mean, do you want to put other no. questions up? Oh, okay. I, I see a lot of uh, positive comments here with an interesting topic. Yeah, uh, Auntie, um, thank you so much for, for joining us. And, you know, uh, yes, Sarah is, is concluding this, that if we don't fix data at its source, garbage in, garbage out, as well, no data is bad. It totally really depends on how um, refined the processing services are. And the session is damn good. Well, thank you <laughs> for joining. Glad you, you were finding value out of it. Okay, so what tools do we use? Overledge. <laughs> so, uh, so Overledge is the tool which basically can be used Tell for... Tell us a little bit more about Overledge. Oh, I, I saw in your newsletter that uh, you are... I think we yeah, are sure. missing some, having some disturbance. Can Sorry. It's okay. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Oh, okay. Now it's good. Yeah. I think we got some disturbance in between. I think so. Yeah. There was an interruption. Yeah. 
Yes. So um, I was saying about Oval Edge. I saw in your newsletter that you are now at the fifth update or fifth version. So it's getting yeah. improved constantly. Congratulations. Yeah so, version, yeah. so this version is very important for us um, because it's a very uh, new UI and we have put a lot of focus on UI and UX improvement. So this mm -hmm. one is a, um, I think again, earlier we also, we used to be user friendly, but now we are super user friendly. It's, it's built for business so that business can easily digest this information and kind of plan it. So that that's the fifth version is uh, uh, live and uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's uh, we are very excited about this release. Uh, it's, it's it's helping a lot of customers and 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 it's it basically simplifying the adoption of the product and the data governance in general. So that's uh, we are really happy about to announce that. Yeah. And and Sharad, what part of the data quality improvement lifecycle would Overledge step into? So we support the entire lifecycle except fixing it, which is the, one of the major part, but. We do define, like you can define the all the uh, the dimensions of the data quality. You can measure it. You can kind of collect all the data from multiple places through the data literacy program, which I just mentioned. Then after that, you can analyze it. We can do root cause analysis because we have lineage into it. So you can do all this part, but then you have to improve it. The improvement will happen only by, a, by, by taking some action into it. Right. And then, um, after improvement, then you can do control. And control, we came up with the data quality rules as well. So now you can do the control as well. So now you can write the rules that if something goes bad, that will again create a ticket and then whole process around the approval process and everything will again happen. So, so we the can business do... owner is configuring those rules as they see fit. Yes, the data governance group or business owners or anybody can configure those rules to kind of find the data quality problem again. But we have seen, like, you know, people are using data quality rules at the beginning of the, they identify the issue as well. Because again, the mostly people are, uh, you know, sometimes using the ETL pipeline. So they want to, they want to check the data quality before, like, suppose they are buying the data from a customer. They're not their internal source data. So they're, they're making sure that, you know, they're writing the basic rules to make sure that the source data is not going bad in the, within the pipeline. And then so that after that, so you can write rules here as well as there, but, um, uh, or then it's a combination of both things. So we have the tools which combine everything. The only thing we do not support is, uh, how do you improve it? Because improvement need to happen within the ETL pipeline, within the ETL tools. We are not a ETL tools. We are just a data governance tools on top of it. Perfect. And one, uh, one uh, BD is mentioning here that reference data management in the context of data quality management is an important consideration. So how does Overledge help with that reference data? So that's uh, 5.2 version will have the complete reference data management as well. Oh, right wow. now, we do support like quite a bit reference data management, but not to the level where every, everything can be audited uh, for all the reference data. Uh, especially in the data warehousing world, but 5.2 version we will come up probably in May timeframe of this year. At that time, we will have the complete support of reference data management as well, so that people not only can like you like generally reference data management requires like okay, there's a list of re reference data, and how who who corrected it, when they corrected it, you know uh, how to add the values, uh, all the auditing in place. So that will be we will be out in 5.2 version. So in the 5.2 version will be like a complete, we are, we are already end-to-end -end data governance suite, but there is a, only the reference data piece which is missing and that's we are solving that in 5.2 version. 
Perfect. Yeah. Amit here is asking how, how to overcome the resistance of application owners in adopting data governance processes. Many times data governance processes look like overhead by IT application owners. And I, I do recommend to watch the last session that we've had with Sharad as he's really walking us through how to build a business case uh, that really business owners are unable to say no to. So they're really willing to then adopt data governance. Yeah. And, and the and the problem I generally feel that, you know, again, the data governance is always asking something, not giving something. So they need to provide a, a mechanism, just like I consider with, between like Syria versus Denmark, right? Mm -hmm. No harm against Syria, but, uh, you know, people can feel that they're moving away from Syria, Syria and every, every opportunity they will move to Denmark, right? Because the government at that side is only asking a security provider mostly, right? While the Denmark, they also have schools, they also have, you know, uh, the healthcare systems and everything is provided by the government. So people are really happy with their government. That's why their living index is high and everything. So the governments, if, if the, any governance, the governance group is only asking something, hey, you do this, 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 it's not going to work. You need to provide something to them as well. So that is why the, the business owners are very happy because now as an application developer or application owner, the major, the why, why you like even the, the, your job exists because you want to integrate with other applications. You want to do more with that application. You want to enhance that application functionality. The major block they have is that they are not able to communicate well with other application owners. And that did when the data governance provide the data literacy and other applications owners, the data to them, it creates them. Oh, they are, I'm, I'm getting other applications data as well. So I'm giving my data, but I'm getting all other applications, hundreds of applications data to me. That is why they want to contribute. So it's a give and take relationship. Without tool, if you implement data governance solution that put everything, your information in a spreadsheet and you just give it to me, I will and forget about it. That is why it doesn't go very well. That's why you need tools to kind of implement it and then kind of adopt the data. That's why the data literacy is number one part you want to implement in data governance journey because that improves the adoption of the program that basically build the trust of the like, data. This group, these people are for me. They are not like taking anything from us. It's a very good question. Sharad, how do you feel about the companies that are restricting data access to their employees in order to lower the risk of maybe, um, you know, releasing the data, misusing that data? It's the fact, I forgot what the term is called, but you're basically only getting access what your role should allow you to have access to. If you're not working with, you know, X department, then no, you shouldn't get access to that data, even though I think it's of high value because you don't know what you don't know. And um, by opening and having a data catalog where you can access all these other ones, you really uncover so many nuggets. That is why the data classification is very important, George. Um, until unless you classify the data that is a confidential versus restricted versus you know, um, versus public versus PII. Of course, you can't give uh, confidential data access. Like suppose you give salary information to everybody, the whole company will collapse on next day, right? So so imagine that, right? The HR data is gone to everyone and like, okay, how much is making this much money? I'm not, right? So obviously you need to protect it. So there is a safeguard it needs to be there, but um, the the lot of things need to be public as well. So th that's why the classification is is the, the most important. Before you even can give access to everyone, you have to classify it. So I generally say that, okay, first you give metadata access because there's no harm in that. 
then you classify the data internally with the application owner classify their data and then make the data which you feel like this is public and keep everything confidential that okay with yourself and then make sure that other people are from the metadata they say hey what is this data and then they can say oh this is confid this is not confidential i will not give it to you because they can see still from the metadata and then say oh, no this is not confidential let me make this as public and give it the access to you so that's why the it's, it's a continuous process the classification is also a continuous process where the application owners can can give access data to everyone yeah well, well said well mm -hmm. said uh, Shirley here had a comment that uh, data quality must be built in and planned for when building, configuring, customizing the source systems. Quality through inspection has always proven to be more expensive than planning up front. And I don't disagree with you, Shirley, but I think also yeah. the reality is when it comes to that business case, planning I mean, for, yeah, for, for most organizations, they, they're investing in that system first, right? They're getting it up, they're investing in that ERP, CRM, and afterwards they're dealing with the consequences. I, I totally agree, means I, I agree that I wish that all the cities were well planned. I, I go to India and you know the cities were not well planned, and now you have to live with that, right? You have to correct it, you have to take the corrective actions. Does not mean that you you should not take correct, but I, I totally agree that. Planning a friend, designing the application for the quality is most important. Now, I think a lot of lot of uh, I saw some companies even taking the privacy first approach to kind of put the privacy of the people. Like I, I think Apple took it as well. Like you know, they they plan for the privacy the, when they're building the new applications. But there are so many applications which is built already, right? You have to figure it out the, the other part of it. So the same thing is that I think the privacy first, then the quality first, so quality second. I mean, there may be area where you can kind of focus upon that. But, but for the new application, the old applications are there. They are still there and serving a lot of work. And then how do we change that? That's it. Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Theresa here, she's saying that she's trying to create a dashboard for each application areas that has data quality issues. This might hold the team accountable to raise their standards as well. In in Oval Edge, do you have those you know available reports and on the metrics, the dimensions, and how they're scoring for different data sources? Yes, you can write all these matrices and and something then because as you are reporting, you can also report again the dimensions, and then you can report against them. So we provide those report out of the box. Right, and uh, I think we've answered this already. What are the tools that you suggest mm -hmm. for best data quality in a new implementation? Overledge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the easy answer. Um, I think we can bring up uh, the the blog uh, that Sherrod put together. I think it's it's full of amazing insights. Yes, and we're we're gonna post uh, the link in the comments as well. But uh, Sherrod has has written this great piece on overledge.com. Just go to the blog section. But as I mentioned, we're we're going to also post a link where you can see not not just why data quality decisions will make or break your innovative efforts, but also what are those steps and uh, some of which that we've we've covered in today's session. So there's a lot of uh, great content, and not just with his uh, this blog post, but uh, there's so many other great resources on this website that I encourage you to go and check them out. And of course, you can also uh, always have a free demo with uh, Oval Edge. Yes, thank you. Anything else that you want to add here, 
Sharad? No, thank you. Uh, th that's it. I think this uh, blog is having the information. If you have any questions, please reach out to us. We will be happy to answer all the questions. If you have around anything around data quality, even the strategy aspect of it, that if you want, if you are looking for any guidance in the strategy, that how do you implement it? Um, it's as I said that it's uh, it's not a huge investment to implement, and the most of the in investment you have to make is you have to you need a one dedicated person probably to implement the data quality, dedicated or or at least have one person to kind of manage the whole effort, the change management aspect of it to manage the data governance part, where the data literacy and data quality. And then obviously data access management with the PII control, et cetera. That one person dedicated with a kind of a mid-sized to large organization kind of handle that much work to improve the overall quality of the data. And then the, it pays for itself all the effort because you are collecting the data quality issue, you are collecting the numbers. In a year, you will see that how much money you saved already and how much, mm -hmm. how much, how much benefits you have put in for this, for this one, for the uh, business. Uh, not only that, but you are also ahead of this. So I think the one of the thing I want to say to all the business leaders and executives, before you even start in ML, AI, any initiative, is start investing in data governance. Otherwise, garbage in, garbage out. Your billions of dollars will go wasted until unless you have a solid data governance foundation in, in place. And that comes only when you have a dedicated group to kind of take care of these three aspects of it, the data access management, data quality aspect, and data literacy. Those three things is completely creates a complete data governance. And without each other, they kind of live not so happily. I I, I agree. We and can quote you on that. <laughs> as uh, Daniel was mentioning, uh, you know, such a complex way to tackle um, because this people are naturally resistant to change, especially when it comes to data governance. So that's definitely another side of the, the challenge, but uh, it's something very important. Data, data literacy is very important as uh, Saravia was mentioning here as well. I'll just comment that being resistant to change is not something bad. Um, it's something that actually makes the change initiators be more aware and analyze things a little bit better before they actually do something. So yes, okay, resistance is there, but but it's something good and can be utilized towards something positive. So okay, why are people resistant? There must be a reason there. People are not just resistant just for the sake of being resistant. I think so such a good we... quote, Diana, such a good quote. Um, you know, one thing I was listening to NPR and they said that, you know, that why this, this constitution, like change management, like, you know, changing to the laws is so complex process. Then some of the, some, I don't know the person, but he said that, you know, it's supposed to be that way. So you go through the rigorous, you know, processes and, and kind of, kind of fine tune that. And then once the change happened, then a lot of adoption of that change is there. So it is good that the changes people are adopt to it, and that's where you are fine tuned, and then you are you're you're creating the best processes, and mm -hmm. then when the best processes are there, and then people are changing, then the change is for better outcome. Yeah, that's exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much, everybody, for for joining us on today, and uh, thank you so much, Shilpi, for posting the link already. So uh, definitely make sure you click on it and read the article because it's full of wisdom and great practical information. Thank you. Thank you.
Thank you so much, Sharaj, as always, very, very insightful. Thank you for sharing so many things with us and enlightening us in uh, yet another topic. Thank you very much, everyone, for your questions and for being here and for your support, as always. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Thank you.